Welcome to True Nature Radio. I'm Laurie Regan. And I'm Heiner Fruhoff. We've been talking about the Chinese organ networks, about the functions that they have, that they represent in the realm of the macrocosm and also specifically here in the realm of the microcosm. So we've talked about the lung and the large intestine, and today's topic is one of the most playful, I think, and interesting of the organ networks. Today we're going to talk about the stomach. What the ancient Chinese called wei, uh, or the stomach, is really a force in the body that is associated with the forces that are active in nature during the third months of springtime in ancient China, which is approximately the time from April 5th to approximately May 4th. So in the Western Zodiac system, that would be half Aries still, but now moving into Taurus. So it's a Taurian type of energy, and we can see right away why it makes perfect sense that the Taurian archetype is associated with the stomach because we all know, even if you haven't studied astrology or other esoteric uh, ancient sciences, that Tauruses, they are easy to please. They just need to have enough to eat and uh, be touched frequently and be comforted in a very physical way. So that is what the stomach stands for. In essence, what is happening during this time in nature, whether it is the time of basically April or uh, the time from 7 to 9 a.m. just after sunrise, which is parallel to that, is that nature is growing up. It's the teenage state of nature, the teenage phase where nature is eating and growing, basically. So it's the teenage time of the day, the year, the life. What else is associated with this? You said eating, growing, um, any other characteristics associated with the stomach? Well, the Chinese, they have this Confucian saying uh, where Confucius said what there's nothing more in life that people want uh, but food and sex. So where there's food, there is an uh, interest in sex. Yin shi nan nu is the original quote, and I think there's even a movie out there from Taiwan called, uh, translated into English, Eat, Drink, Man, Man Woman. Woman. And Great so movie. the att- magnetic attraction between the sexes or the urge to want to have sex just like you want to eat food and having a hunger. Basically, stomach stands for hunger, stands for lust, stands for being interested in the five flavors in life. In the designated uh, official quote in Chapter 8 of the classic of medicine where every official is in the bodies compared to the official in society at the imperial court, it says that the stomach is like a granary or the official of the granaries, which is basically the commander of the treasure houses at the royal palace, and what comes out of it are the five flavors. So this is about diversity. It is about taking a bite out of life, hungrily and lustily so, and that applies for food, and it applies for sex, and it applies for seeing the sights of the world. You know, people who want to travel, who want to eat different kinds of food, who want to savor uh, 
the women and the men in different locations, all of these kind of, you know, there are lots of novels about that. Uh, is the same kind of drive. It's a very much of testosterone. If there was ever a, stu- a substance that goes with the, what the Chinese call the stomach, one of the many hormonal substances, I would say testosterone very clearly goes into this category. Very interesting uh, to note that one of the best ways to treat the testicles, where the, of course the word testosterone comes from, in man is by treating, by reaching that uh, and then blocking them through the stomach channel, particularly the acupuncture point stomach 30 is very often used for inflammations of the testicles, etc. So you're talking about biting into the world and all these um, very active testosterone, food, sex. What, pray tell, is the animal then associated with this organ network? The dragon. Uh, that is, of course, uh, displayed as an animal in, in, in the springtime during the uh, spring festival celebrations. And uh, it's always considered to be lucky to be born in the year of the dragon because money will come to you and you will have lots of food and sex, presumably, as a result of that. Uh, so, And, of course, even in the Western context, the lusty appetite that the dragon is displayed in the Western context very often portrayed negatively is that the dragon is spitting fire. The dragon is so hungry that he's got flames coming out from his stomach and you need to put sheep or a virgin at the outskirts of the village that the dragon doesn't come and eat the entire village in order to appease the dragon you uh, in both the elements of food and sex, you put certain offerings to him outside. Of course, this being a mythological portrayal of this hungry testosterone aspect in nature. So, Heiner, we're actually in right now the year of the rabbit, right? And soon to make a transition into the year of the dragon. So, for our listeners, could you give some insight into how the nature of things that have happened this year relate to the Year of the Rabbit and what we might expect for next year as we move into the Year of the Dragon. The rabbit is a symbol of sudden and unexpected movement and revolution. And uh, we have certainly seen this on a global scale where this has been the year of global revolutions. They're still going on as we speak, and uh, things happening rather quickly, very much like a bowel movement and the body is happening very convulsively and quickly and then it's over. And the 2012 will be the year of the dragon, which means it will have this energy of springtime when spring is in full bloom and it's not about birthing difficulties anymore, but things are growing. They're somewhat immature. They're somewhat puppy-like in the way how they are charging forward, but it it doesn't have sort of the same kind of materialistic birthing quality to it that we want to make more in this context, because this has been a year of upheaval, but also in the stock market we've seen a lot of... um, people trying to make a lot of money in this difficult time by selling more frequently than they normally would and not waiting. And so there's been this impatient type of behavior uh, 
on the political as well as in the economic sphere, whereas uh, the dragon energy, I hope, is more steadily moving forward and uh, while lustily moving forward. And one needs to, again, be aware that we are not getting too stuck in the realm of the material, that we, this is a fault of the dragon as much as it is of the rabbit. It is a uh, baking bigger buns, as you would say in German. You know, that's, that's a bigger, that energy is now more mature. So let's move on to the archetype. Tell us what, what the archetype of the stomach is like. What kind of um, professions would somebody have, for example? Anybody who could be called an archetype reflecting the creative energies of the third months of springtime, approximately April, would be somebody who's a connoisseur of the sights and the flavors of the material world. Like any kind of connoisseur that deals with food, like an organic farmer, a food critic, a restaurant owner, uh, uh, a winemaker, people who travel the world to find more exotic foods and tell us about it, like Anthony Anthony Bourdain, for instance, who who has a show on TV uh, going all across the world and and, uh, exploring the sights and the foods and then telling a story about that. Those are typical stomach endeavors and then making jokes in the process and keeping it light and fun. Uh, that would be a quality of the stomach archetype as well. Um, collectors, adventurers, and of course entertainers. This is the time when the stage of life is coming into full flux and nature is saying, look at me, I'm so beautiful as everything is blossoming. And uh, it is, of course, a certain kind of narcissistic self-involvement that large intestine topic here comes into full swing. Yeah, so you related there a little bit to maybe some tendencies or pathological tendencies of the stomach of somebody who becomes very narcissistic and self-focused and wants all the attention for themselves, maybe taking everything in for themselves. But what's the healthy expression of that in the stomach organ network? The healthy expression of that and the stomach, because what is happening here at the third month is that nature is individuating itself. And things are starting to recognize themselves as individuals. During the second month, everything was the same. That is why uh, the archetype of the large intestine was that of the mass movement and of the politician like Hitler, whose party, the NSDAP, the Nazi party, was called the National Socialist Workers Movement. So it was like guaranteeing sameness for everyone, whereas this is now things where things are coming into their individual beauty and are recognized as such. So if somebody is comfortable with their own body, is comfortable with their own beauty, is comfortable with their own talents, and is moving forward to work with that and bring it into the world and let other people appreciate that, uh, that would be a healthy stomach type. So is it right to say taking in in order to actually then be able to serve? Is that also a healthy expression of the stomach? Absolutely, because the time from 7 to 9 in the morning in the Chinese zodiac is called shi shi, which means time to eat, time to take in, but more importantly it means time to feed. 
Is it also right to say that it's really necessary to nourish oneself and to receive nourishment in order to be able to really give and nourish others and serve others? First question in Chinese medicine is, how's your appetite? You know, so why other impulses need to be held back, it would be bad in Chinese medicine if your appetite is poor. So you're actually asking, how is your intaking function? needs to be there. If you say, I always, I can't eat anything, especially in the morning, or I'm nauseous just when I'm just thinking about food, or I'm hungry and then I eat a little bit and I can't eat, that would be bad stomach energy. And all of these spiritual classics, they really say, take care of others as you would take care of yourself, which would mean you cannot take care of others unless you take care of yourself first. That is a meaning implied in here. So we've talked about some of the pathology there. You just mentioned um, not having hunger or maybe being hungry all the time, having nausea. What are some of the other examples or expressions of the pathology of the stomach? Yeah, so of course all obsession around eating, you know, orthorexic eating, which means oh, I'm allergic to everything and I need to eat super correct or need mm -hmm. to stick to my diet and then overdoing that. Uh, uh, on one hand, on, uh, on the other hand, of course, paying no attention to your diet and just living off fast food and Snicker bars, uh, would, both of them would be the two ends of the spectrum. All eating disorders uh, like bulimia and anorexia, all kind of uh, obsessive compulsive disorders that are not only in the realm of eating but anything else. And, of course, all addiction starts with food, but all addictive cravings come from the stomach. The stomach channel as a Yangming channel that starts in the eyes, which goes directly into the brain, governs brain chemistry more than anything else. So we have so many books out there. We could have a whole number of shows just on that topic. Uh, famous books like The Second Brain, Western Medicine is only now recognizing that uh, brain health is very much governed by digestive health. Serotonin and dopamine, those important um, chemical substances that regulate the way how we feel uh, and are often regulated with antidepressants, etc., that is what the stomach is in charge of in Chinese medicine. You know, it's like happiness, like the third when the springtime finally comes, uh, breaking into song, like nature is breaking into song. The lack of that is always a kind of uh, lack of those chemical chemicals in the brain. So what about treatment. How do we deal with that? How do we prevent those things from happening? And if they, we've noticed that those kind of symptoms are starting to happen, how do we actually prevent them? Once again, there is two different sets of advice. And one of it is more of the spiritual self-realization advice. And the other one is a very physical kind of what kind of foods to eat, etc. And I always find that the recognition of what type you are is already quite helpful here. And for somebody with who is a stomach type is to recognize the tendency to fall into selfish impulses mm. uh, and then correcting that uh, and reminding yourself that you're doing it again. This kind of it's all about me and poor me. There's also this kind of collapse into victimhood in a certain way that one can have here is change that into your true nature, which is uh, you are a dynamo of fun 
and you can bring this about uh, for yourself as for other people. So let that sun shine. That gives us a really good introduction to the stomach organ network. Let's talk about the spleen now, the paired organ with the stomach. Um, spleen is also earth element, correct? Absolutely, yes. The spleen and the stomach are uh, inextricably intertwined in Chinese medicine. That is why in Chapter 8 of the Classic of Medicine, they are mentioned as one entity. All the other ones are uh, their own official, but here it says, So it's the spleen and the stomach as one official. Uh, they are the uh, officials of the granary, uh, and and the storage function and the treasure function, and out of it comes the five different flavors. So here we can see uh, that they have, you can't really, and together they govern all metabolism, all digestive function, but also all transformative functions, uh, not just physically digesting food, not just physically digesting data streams, data bits that come in visually through the eyes, um, but digestive, digesting information as a thought process. So the spleen and the stomach, as having a lot to do with brain chemistry, they have a lot to do with digesting and analyzing information. And that is why the term si, which means to think, to focus, and also on the pathological side, to overthink or being stuck in a thinking loop and therefore to worry uh, they're both associated with, they are associated, all of them are associated with both the spleen and the stomach. What the spleen, though, uh, is where the spleen is somewhat different from the stomach, that it is, of course, associated with yet another month in nature, namely the fourth month. And the fourth month of the Chinese lunar calendar is the first month of summer. The stomach was the last month of spring. So there is already, and spring is, means young, means teenagehood. Summer means a certain degree of maturity. And summer means fire element, means spirituality. So there is uh, a, a, a surrender quality and a type of pursuing of higher spiritual goals that goes with the spleen that didn't go with the dragon heat of the stomach archetype. So, Henry, tell us a little bit more about the timing of this organ network, the month, maybe that time of day. What's special or what's unique about that timing? In the cycle of the day, the function that is associated with what the Chinese call the spleen is the time from 9 to 11 in the morning which is the time, if you think about it, is the one time during the day when we don't need a cup of coffee to get something done. We, it's a time that we take for granted, that just passes really quickly because we're incredibly productive. That's why the Chinese call that yujong, the time in the corner, and the whole archetype, both in nature as well as in the body, the spleen archetype, is the doer, the person who does everything but never needs to take any credit for it. Uh, in terms of the year, it's a time from May 5th to approximately June 4th. So while there is still certain Taurian forces, it's Gemini. Gemini is already quite a different type of uh, quality here that's maybe more mental, more, 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 more spiritual there than, than physically anchored. 
So what is the animal associated with the spleen, and what are the qualities of that that give us a, that symbolism, that expression of what this organ network and function is about? The snake. The snake has this amazing ability to to fill out by there are certain snakes that can and boa constrictors and anacondas they can literally uh, swallow a kangaroo and then they become incredibly full and and they don't even chew their fruit they just swallow it whole and they're happy as a clam that is of course the tremendous symbol of the healthy digestive symbol uh, network where you could swallow a whole a- egg or a whole steak whole and you don't feel bloated at all because your digestive metabolism is just fantastic and, and, and you don't get tired from it. It just digests all by itself. So let's talk more about that healthy archetype. What's the, what's the person look like? What's their job in the world? What's their function? We had already said for the stomach earth archetype that it was somebody who was thriving by creating fun and food for other people. This topic continues with the spleen. The spleen archetype is really sort of an earth mama who says, bring it on, and I'm not afraid what life delivers to me. And in that way, it's sort of like a snake that doesn't have any feet and therefore doesn't mind to labor and wiggle around in the lowest reaches on the dirt, basically. Uh, and, And therefore, I mentioned that Cinderella archetype is like somebody who's happy to do the dishes and pick up after everybody but it's just this 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 somebody who can do that just like the large intestine could deal with all of the garbage because it was the cleanest archetype so this is the person who can do the most work and needs the least credit because it has the power of hexagram one inside of it which is all yang chi meaning it is not bogged down with the weight of his or her own body with the burdens of everyday life, but is just happy to just keep doing and doing and never getting tired in the process. You've mentioned before that there we get to a spiritual function of this organ network as well. And what that makes me think of is that the person who can work tirelessly and work endlessly is somebody who is pretty surrendered, somebody who is very... Um, open to allowing themselves almost to be used as a vessel for the divine, if you will. Somebody who isn't doesn't have a lot of tiring self-agendas, but is really there doing what's needed. Does that fit with the description of this organ? Exactly. The story of the spleen is the story of what the Chinese call fire within earth. The element of fire symbolizing spirit being held in the vessel of the material, which is earth. So the spleen is not just earth, but being resonant with the functions of the first months of summer, it goes into fire. It goes into spirit. It goes into the containing of the spirit uh, aspects of life in the material and goes into the relationship that matter has with non-matter. And the spleen itself, the character for the spleen is P, means the organ that is has no problem to put itself in the lowest position and is actually compared to Bay means like a field that is lies low. So it's like a valley. And a person who exemplifies healthy spleen functions 
is like the low earth that doesn't mind people trampling upon it and 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 doing all of the invisible work behind the scenes. So for those of us that still are caught in the place of wanting credit and having a little bit of spleen pathology, how would that manifest? Yeah, it is that perpetual victimhood that and that collapse and not having enough or how come I'm always needing to do all of that or even volunteering to do all the work. This is the ultimate spleen type. Oh, no, let me do it. And then later complaining. In the Wang Fengyi uh, system, which is an amazing system of uh, emotional healing that we'll come to speak about later at some point, uh, the emotion of blame goes with the negative spleen and stomach type. And on a physical level, it is, of course, things like being shapeless, you know, so people very often they can't control their weight, eating not even all that much, but taking on a lot of weight, and that matches how they are talking, that they say, oh, I'm so so busy and I need to do everybody else's job, but also people who gain a lot of weight and do nothing, you know, and then blame themselves that they are no good in a certain way. Are there any more physical symptoms that would be pretty straightforward for somebody to recognize as a spleen deficiency or a spleen problem? Part of what the term earth symbolizes is, as you said, being a vessel containing fire, containing spirit, but also to just keep be like an earthen wall and keep everything in its proper place. So prolapse of organs is one thing, but also anything that is kind of leaking out of its proper place with bleeding being probably one of the primary symptoms. So uh, I'm not talking about sudden hemorrhaging in the brain, but chronic a tendency to bleed, like even something as simple as getting frequent bruises that you didn't discover or, or brushing nose your um, nosebleeds or brushing your teeth and every time you spit into the sink there is some red there those are symptoms of the weak spleen type and that would uh, you know the Chinese would immediately go and tonify the spleen uh, GMP uh, fortify the spleen as they would say uh, which is the spleen is a very important part of not just your um, digestive system it also is really the motor of your immune system and lots of immune chronic immune problems and chronic autoimmune problems are actually from a chinese perspective first and foremost spleen related so if you have lots of allergies uh, not just in the respiratory tract but especially these more complicated ones like ulcerative colitis or uh, idiopathic thrombocytopenic purpura, strange bleeding disorders where the platelets plummet, all of these are spleen archetype diseases. And how would we go about living our life in such a way that we minimize that kind of tendency? How do we strengthen our spleens? Well, on, the, on the spiritual level, the great peasant saint from the 18th century or 19th century, Wang Fengyi, uh, would say, Bu yuan ren. Don't blame anybody else. Take responsibility for your life and anything that is happening. So the, there's nothing more poisonous to the spleen than constantly seeking fault with God and the world, as the Germans would say. Everybody else, uh, my misery is everybody else's fault. And then from a more physical perspective, it would be eating more bland foods. A different from the stomach type is eating simple foods, 
uh, regular eating habits, uh, uh, chewing your food really well. Saliva uh, is part of the spleen digestive function. And particularly avoid sugar and carbohydrates. There's nothing that harms the spleen type who has a tendency to either put on no weight at all, but then getting very dizzy and allergic to certain foods, or the type that uh, blows up like a muffin uh, if you just inhale air, uh, those people do very poorly with uh, just eating noodles and bread and sweets, and uh, you can do a lot for those metabolic syndrome types if they stay away from carbohydrates and sugar. And, of course, exercise. Exercise your uh, strengthen your connective tissue, not just the muscles but the connective tissue. To not get depressed, to not get overweight, and to stay into in, in that archetypal posture of being able to do a lot but be surrendered and not needing a lot. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that insight, and we've reached the end for today. Thanks for joining us on True Nature Radio. I'm Lori Regan. And I'm Heiner Fruhoff. As always, check out the School of Classical Chinese Medicine's website at ncnm.edu if you're more seriously interested in entering the profession of natural medicine in the future or if you have a layperson's interest in symbolism of the organ networks, become a member at classicalchinesemedicine.org. <laughs> 